Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. Today, we have Casa Bassa, who will be reading her poetry and telling us about her life in Australia and so much more. Casa Bassa works with disadvantaged people in the community, which gives her a special insight into those that suffer. She is constantly inspired by their resilience and strength, an inquisitive writer that was a bit of a misfit as a child, she has blossomed into her writing. Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. I'm so happy to welcome Carrie today, who goes by Casa Bassa. She's a wonderful poet writer who I met through a of a common group we belong to called Living Poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we write to poetry prompts on Mondays. Um, sometimes she and I write to other things as well for different other, um, I don't know, call them competitions, just for fun, really, writing poetry. And we actually were in an international <laughs> critique group one time with Bartholomew Barker, and that was a lot of fun. That's how we actually first met. So yes. I'm really happy to have yes. you on here. Likewise, Lisa, I've just been a pleasure working with you and have the um, privilege to also contribute to the uh, Heartbeats, the anthology, and that was a great topic and I was feeling, uh, yeah, I just love that uh, collection because all the, all the writers and, you know, they contributed to the poems and, it's really from the heartfelt place, a lot of um, uh, heartwarming human um, side of things in it. So, yeah, it's been a privilege, and I'm so glad that we contribute, you know, together. I'm so happy that you contributed to the anthology. I was really happy when you submitted for that. Um, it That one really does warm my heart. You know, you know probably from mm-hmm. reading a lot of my stuff, I tend to be kind of on the positive side of things. Um, mm. Although I'm a realist too, I know with you know the world has its issues, but I try to, mm. to look at what makes our life better, and so I kind mm. of focus on that. I see that a lot in the work that you do, and mm. I also see like I see social awareness in your yeah. work. I see that a lot of that on Instagram. Um, mm. Yeah, you. She's a regular audience. She's a regular. Instagram poster, so you really need to follow. Now, how, do you, how are you listed on Instagram? I think I list on, um, I think the handle is casa uh, underscore bassa, C A S S A underscore B A S S A. But I think if you search casa bassa, that you know, I'll come up. Really have some, you pretty much about every day have something new on there and some really nice graphics as well. I really enjoy reading them every day. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I've I've been reading The Silver Lining and I'm a slow reader, but I've been, you know, reading that book. And I, again, I just love the way that you uh, write. I think you you write from a heart and also really, I think it's injecting hope in the everyday things that the society and in the human race, a lot of things that we can feel self-pity about, that we can feel sad about. But I think what your uh, poem is really injecting that hope 
So I, you know, really enjoy reading it and I, I can't, you know, wait to digest it all and finish all and then I'll write a um, comment, <laughs> a review. Hey. Wonderful, thank you. Yeah. Wow, you just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of day, what do you do for the date, your day job? Um, I work as, yeah. I, well, the title is a mouthful. I work as uh, Employment Opportunities Manager, but in the uh, uh, community housing settings. So really, in uh, layman turn, that uh, we had uh, community housing residents, and if they wanted to return to work, they wanted to consider to do some vocational training to prepare to return to work, or they are working, they want a better job, they want a promotion, so anything related to vocational training and employment, they come to me for uh, guidance and uh, for help to do their resume, cover letter, um, prepare them for job interviews, um, how to negotiate work conditions at the workplace. So that's my day job. Um, but really, guidance is such a word that uh, my people that I work with inspire me because when they're in a community housing in Australia, so they will be like low and moderate income earners and also a lot of um, our customers that um, experience trauma, probably escape from domestic violence situation or they had really um, significant uh, health issues. So that's why they're eligible for long-term community or social housing. Uh, but disregard what their everyday challenges, they still wanted to contribute, use their skills, talents and gift, um, you know, to contribute back to their community um, to regain that sense of pride and uh, self-esteem and confidence. So that's what, you know, get me out of bed every day because people that I serve inspired me. Partly as a volunteer in a community setting like that, where the, there was all women and their children, and they had come from domestic violence situations, and were trying to mm. rebuild their lives, and but use the type of skills that you have to offer to help them mm. get on, you know, the right track and get more independent. And when mm. they paid their rent, a portion of that money went into a savings account, which then went for them to be able to buy a home or pay a, a deposit on a sure. rental or, or something like that. And Absolutely. what I did with it is worked with the kids in a little peer counseling kind of group set up. So mm. um, but it was, I got a lot out of that as well. I think I got as much out of it as the, the people that participated in the program. Yeah. Fell in love with the families. Yeah, exactly. And I think I heard you in one of the podcasts that you share, you know, that's your background in counselling and, you know, working with uh, kids and all that. So I think at that point when I heard it and I thought, ah, that's why, you know, sometimes people, why they just click, um, other they, you know, besides they're reading each other's work. And, but there's some sort of level you kind of connected to the person. And that's how I felt, you know, when I first, you know, met you. I that there are a lot of people that are involved in the social type services that mm. have been on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I must draw a certain group of people. I don't know. It's okay with me. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> because we want to see good happen in the world. Yeah. Now, with the, the people that you work with in Australia in general, do you, do you see um, the effect of the pandemic 
um, having anything to do with what you are trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we definitely have an increase in uh, social housing, community housing applicants uh, because of the pandemic, people lost their job or um, they lost their home. They needed more emergency or uh, rental with help. Uh, but in ways of the job market, it actually hasn't slowed down in the space, in the, in the customer that I service uh, because a lot of them are looking for more essential workers. So nurses and uh, community support workers, disability support workers, that's actually have a high demand in particular during the pandemic because a lot of um, elderly or people with disabilities, they require more home care. So there's an increase in demand for care workers visit their home and provide daily support. Well, you know, that I could see how that would happen. Yeah, that's nice that there are jobs available for people. That's that's a big deal, big deal. Mm. Mm. And I'm very grateful that I kept my job. So although a lot of times I work from home, um, but I haven't need, needed to experience the unemployment, you know, part of it. So. I'm thanking God every day. So I am like really grateful considering people that I serve that, you know, in a much dire situation. How did you end up in Australia? Now you're from China originally, right? Yes, it's a, such an interesting story. Um, I went to university um, that most of my classmates got a scholarship they, you know, for studying, you know, either in the United States or the Canada, because those are the top, you know, countries that people wanted to do further academic studies. But I wasn't um, academic enough, so I, I ended up that they got scholarship, so I didn't have scholarship. So I ended up uh, took a job that they had an office in Sydney. So it's a Chinese company, uh, company, and they do agriculture. So, so I was um, had a I think 12 months sort of a working visa that, you know, work in Sydney providing support and they do import and export. So, but then in the term get to nine months and my boss realized that um, the business is gonna, you know, bankrupt really because uh, it's it just a really under-research under sort of things and doing agriculture business in Sydney is just not the right place. <laughs> Um, but my boss was very, very kind and he said that, you know, if you want to stay, do you, I can pay for, um, I think it's called immigration agents, so they can actually see what skills that you have to see whether you, you know, you wanted to stay there. Then I thought, that's not a bad idea. Um, I was a bit, feeling a bit, um, uh, the best way to describe it, I felt very hard to breathe, you know, when I left university and entered into a, a workplace in China. So when I came to Australia, it's that sort of sense of, you know, spiritual uh, freedom that I experienced. So I say, yes, so the immigration agent, they, I think they work on a score system. So I ended up, um, got the a, a skilled immigrant uh, visa. So that's how I came to Australia. I think I was, um, 21 when I first came. Yeah, I came in um, August and I would be 21 and a half. <laughs> Australia is on my bucket list. It's definitely a place I'd love to, to visit. Yeah, have you please been come to the United States? I have been. I've been, I've been to uh, 
uh, Dallas, uh, Texas. Yeah, I went there about 18 months ago or maybe just a year ago. I can't remember. Um, it's very, very similar. I could see myself live there. Like it just slotted in, you know, easily. Uh, but please do come to Australia before they damage the oceans. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. I keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, it will be safe. You'll be safe. I think the ocean will be okay for another 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, um, another poet from Australia, Ivor Stephen. Um, yes, 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 yes. You, you probably know Ivor, don't you? Yeah, I'm following or, him you know? now. I think <laughs> We, how did we come about? I think it's through either your podcast or through the anthology, but I stumbled across, you know, um, Ivan. Oh, we did the reading for the launch for Heartbeats. That's how I met him, I think. A lot of good poets in Australia. So, how did you become involved with poetry? Well, I wrote a Chinese. Uh, poems since I was probably about 13, 14. Um, I went really gung-ho uh, since I was 16. So I wrote all the way through because I was a quite introvert person. So I kept a lot of, because I couldn't relate to people, my friends and all that. I had fun. I had a group of friends, but a lot of inner thought that I kept to myself. So I wrote till I came to Australia. Then life you know, got in the way and I, you know, have to work to survive to pay bills and uh, did further study and then I subsequently got married and started the family. So I stopped writing for about 15 years and really I start pick up writing again uh, late 2018. That's when I started a, a blog. Um, so I actually research uh, blogging, you know, for one of my clients and it come across WordPress and that's how I started and I have, haven't written any English poem before uh, except that I probably wrote in a farewell card for my you know ex-work colleague and I just I just you know gave that a go and then I've been writing since almost every day for the last almost two, almost three years now in October would it be three years have a book in you? I haven't. Uh, I, I contribute to um, some of the anthologies. I think there's um, Australian Poetry Society, um, if that's the name. <laughs> I contribute a, a poem in there. And I think uh, the uh, Heartbeats. And also there's a two anthology that um, Raw Earth Inc. Uh, Tara uh, put out. I think one is uh, the Poet's Symphony and the other one is the Creation and Cosmos. Um, so um, yeah, so I think I I haven't really, I don't know, I, 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 I think I can't perform under pressure. That's my thing. So if I say, oh, you have to write, you know, to a timeline, you have to write to something publishing, I just, you know, I just, um, go like freeze and just couldn't you know couldn't do my best <laughs> oh if and when it's time there may never be a time it may be to do it this way through anthologies and blogs and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that you're getting mm. your words out there you know mm. absolutely nothing wrong with that. 
I will point you to one that's coming up in July. Um, Susie Box has um, yeah. her site. I write her, and she has the short of it. And oh. I was in that anthology, and she's running another series. So she's looking for right. people to contribute to that. So yeah. check out her I think site. I, thank you. I think I have that on my uh, calendar, actually. Um, I think, yeah, you know my poetry, they're quite short, mostly. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to read very long things and very struggling to write very long, you know, uh, poems. So, yeah, I definitely will give that a go. So, yeah, thank you for reminding. Same. I don't, I don't write real long-form poetry. Once in a while, well, something will come out, you know, that surprises me, that I, that's in me that's a little bit longer. But most of the mm. time, I, I keep it to one page. Back, mm. so. Making them real tight and started out writing a lot of um, Asian form of poetry like the haiku and tanka yeah. and different ones like that. That's I got where I started out with a lot of my poetry training in sixth grade. We wrote an anthology in all these forms. So mm. um, it actually is expanding for me to write very much of a long form. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's good that when first writing, or I still sometimes go back to the structure sort of. Um, uh, poetry, although I mostly write free verse and really just free form, uh, but sometimes I think as a discipline or as a way of learning, it's good to actually look at the sonnets and you know that kind of thing. They're very new to me, but um, yeah, every now and then I will write one of those. I think it's a good practice. Speaking of poetry, would you like to read us some of your work? Yes, I would. I would love to. I think um, when you first asked me, you know, would you like to be, you know, on the uh, podcast, and I was a bit, you know, because I'm not very good <laughs> in the public forum. But I thought, well, I, I thought about it. What is the purpose of this? And I thought, well, I picked three poems that it's it's dedicated to my parents and my son, and I thought this would be a perfect place for me to honor them in a way so that's why I say oh I'll, you know I'll be grateful if Lisa let me get onto that uh, podcast so the first poem I'm going to read uh, we were just talking about both of us write short form this is actually longer than usual uh, it's called broken dreams it's dedicated to my father um, wiry eyebrows jaundice eyes downward mouth callous hands hunchback Buckled knee, worn shoes, portrait of a grumpy old man. Velvet hair, button nose, dimpled cheeks, chubby arms, round belly, cutesy feet, giggling laughter, picture of a happy boy. What happened in between? Is time the only tyrant? The bruises on his mother inflicted upon by his father. She ran for her life, he was left sobbing in grandma's arms. A new mother came, the family growing, leader in the pack, took all the beatings, motherless and wounded. Dreamt to be a pilot, flying away from all the pain, freedom on the horizon. Stringent exams, green light to go, ecstatically ready. The red party shattered his dream. Your father is a national, your mother is a runaway wife. The party needs you to reform. You are going to till the ground. 
10 years of cultural revolution, dirt, leeches, and buffalo manure. 10 years of youth in, in rice field landscape, bamboo forest by the stream and waterfall. A boy's broken dreams after hard day of work, let out in the smoke pipe, evaporated in the mountains, echoed amidst the dejected souls. Oh, that I can feel that it's mm. right in the heart. Wow. Yeah, because that was my father's life, and he he project like he honestly, and he gets really grumpy. Like you know, when people, my father in his early seventies, you know, he, he he's a lovely man, but he gets grumpy, and I often think, um, you know, what make this man you know, from a newborn baby that's so beautiful, because I saw a photo when my father was really little, and to a grumpy man. So there must be something happened. So when my father opened up and talked about, you know, his dreams, and, and that's when, you know, I thought, yeah, I'm going to write that and dedicate it to my father. Wonderful dedication. Thank you. My pleasure. I want people to know too where to find you on your blog called Flicker of Thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, is it flickerofthoughts.com? Yep, that's it. Have another poem for us? Yes, there's another one. It's um, dedicated to my mother. <laughs> my mom was a farm girl, you know, when my Dad went due to the Cultural Revolution. My dad went from the city to the countryside. That's when my father met my mum. It wasn't a arranged marriage. They fell in love, and then you know they um, overcame all the barriers of the tradition, so they got married. Uh, but my mum is a really hardworking. This background is about my mum that first came to the city for survival because then the family reunion. I think I was between four and five, so finally my mum came to the city and lived with, with us. So honest and hard-earned. A farm girl decided to survive in the big city. She tried all decent work to bring in income to pay for their daughter's education so she would not need to follow her footsteps. She sold rubber sandals in the market. She mixed cement, dug trenches, and laid bricks on construction sites. She's five feet tall in suntan skin. She rolled on a 28-inch wheel bicycle carrying an icebox filled with ice blocks. She waited outside her daughter's school in many scorching summer afternoons. Children swamp out the school gate at the sound of the bell. That was the best time of her sales. Children were reaching their hands high to pay for the ice blocks. It looked like a vigorous bidding scene. She barely kept up to collect the coins while giving out the ice blocks, yet her eyes always spotted her little girl once she appeared outside the school gate. She reached into the bottom right corner of the ice box to retrieve the special perfectly frozen vanilla ice block, handing it to her daughter standing on the sideline. She never kept any eye contact though, for the fear of the children would laugh at her little girl as a mother working as a petty street vendor. She received great education opportunities from her mother's hard labor ambition. Every time she sucks on the vanilla ice block, her mother's suntan forehead 
soaked with hot summer sweat, comes into her mind. The melting ice block, her melting heart, shows up as streams of tears. She's too proud to hold back. Wow. You really have hardworking, dedicated parents. I mean, they yeah, really. Yeah, I, I do. You, at first, they put you ahead. Um, worked yeah. hard to make sure. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. That? Yeah. Being a youngster, I was very, um, how should I put it? You know, I went through a really hard time in uh, late teens and, you know, all the way through my 20s. And I was really blaming my parents for everything, you know, because I, I blamed their their argument and marriage and all that. I never really appreciated uh, by them staying together, provide a home for me and how instrumental and how important that was for me. I think um, I came to a realization, you know, after I became a Christian, I think that's in 2005, um, that's when I, uh, realize that you know that's when I have a break free you know to honor my parents to actually I think it's almost like that haze smoke you know uh, the veil got taken away from my eyes I could see for the first time their love their sacrifice and their support and like you say you know their determination their hard work uh, to raise me the right way, the best way that they could possibly can in provision and guidance. Um, I think, you know, honor my parents, that was the first time um, I was um, I was blaming them for everything. You know, everything, when you go to a counselor, go to a psychologist, they say, tell me about your childhood. Then I thought, I had a really hard time. My parents, this or that, but only until I, broke free and that veil fell off, then I come to the realization how important that is honor your parents, your life will go well. And that's a testimony, you know, of my life that um, since I made that decision, since I came to that forgiveness and acceptance, uh, I, I became a much happier person. Yeah, I, I also went through a parent conflict phase especially with my father um but i had to grow through it too you know mm. i was probably a little bit older before the light finally came on and then when you become a parent yourself mm. a lot of things go away <laughs> yeah i agree with you and um children often teach us the greatest lessons in life they really do they really mm. do and I think you have a poem about your son, right? Yes, I do. This is, thank, thank God, it's a short one. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, otherwise, you know, the people listen to this podcast and think, she, she just told us that, you know, she wrote short poems. They were really long. <laughs> no, okay. So fine. <laughs> <laughs> this one is called Kite. It's to, to dedicate it to my uh, son. He's 11 years old now. I think I wrote this when he was just under 10. God crafted you and gifted you to me. It was meant for me to teach you how to soar across the sky with only a thin string in my unskilled hands. I was so scared to let you fly high, watching the wind toss you into the unknown, doing somersaults in the middle of a storm, 
keeping your head above the murky clouds. You agilely dance across the atmosphere, roll above the turbulence, trusting I had the strength to keep you afloat. I looked at my empty hands, I looked up at your freedom and marveled. God had filled the uncertainty in between. Is there anything, Gary, that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? Um, I think um, I am very grateful for the WordPress platform and it's an amazing community. I've learned and grown so much as a writer. Um, and I, I think one thing really stood out for me when we come to the end of ourselves, when we found that we got nowhere to go, um, writing is really a therapeutical you know way for a lot of us um, so be kind always and um, you know just share and learn you know it's a I mean I'm a student for life so I I believe that every day is a, you know new things that I learn so I am just really grateful and humble for the community and for you Lisa uh, for other writers as well grateful for you and the writers as well as well and thank you so much for being on our podcast and i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day as i go into the rest of my night <laughs> yeah the same to you i hope that you had restful sleep and uh again that i feel such blessing to be able to have this opportunity um to talk with you and to share so thank you and god bless Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Come back again soon. Would you like to be on our podcast? Send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com and we'll get back to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day.